0: Darren, we'd better turn around. Why? Because I've seen enough horror movies to know any weirdo wearing a mask is never friendly. We are the things that were and
1: shall be again. What was that film you were watching? Death, death, death. Death, death, death. Part two. Oh, Lord. But the front, time, bitch!
0: What's up everyone? Welcome to the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks Podcast. I'm your host Tim Trashmouth Mills and on today's episode my guest is the one and only Chris McKay director of the upcoming Renfield starring Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Holt that drops in theaters on April 14th. He also directed a couple seasons of Robot Chicken and Moral Oral as well as the recent sci-fi flick starring Chris Pratt called The Tomorrow War and the Lego Batman movie as well as a couple other things. And we do talk slight spoilers about Renfield, but definitely not heavy spoilers and definitely don't spoil the ending because I haven't seen the film myself either yet. So, But I'm super stoked to see it and I hope you guys go out opening weekend as I know I will for sure. So, Before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to remind you guys that on Wednesday, April the 5th, at Keegan's Irish Pub in Virginia Beach... Me and Steven from Toxic Coffin will be hosting Horror Movie Trivia Night. It'll be teams of two to six, and there'll be a grand prize pack for the winning team, so make sure you come out. We're also having an alcohol tasting and a horror-themed bar menu, so it's gonna be super fun, so I hope to see some of you guys there, but other than that, just make sure you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all updates on the podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can sign up for the Trash Mouth Horror Club over on Patreon. It's only $2 a month. You'll get some stickers in the mail, a shout-out on a future episode, and a couple other perks as well, so if you're interested in signing up, the link for that will be in the description thank you guys again so much and let's get into this week's episode hey hey how's it going Tim. good you doing all right yes sir how about you good good awesome
1: halloween three
0: masks you have uh behind you
1: yeah that's I mean, awesome
0: uh, thank you i'm a huge fan of that sequel to be honest i know it's kind of a, a cult classic at this point but uh, i've always been a pretty big fan of it myself so yeah i've got a halloween three uh, tattoo oh right hell yeah that's awesome <laughs> We can uh, dive into it. Uh, pretty much, my first question for you is, you know, what led to the collaboration with Ryan Ridley and Robert Kirkman, the uh, writers on Renfield? I um, I
1: read a script, uh, the Ryan, the 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 draft that Ryan had written, based off of Kirkman's treatment, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, I like trying to find different things. You know, I'd done animation for a while. I did Robot Chicken and Moral Laurel and Titan Maximum, and then I did um, the Lego movies. And uh, I love Batman. I got to do like a
0: Batman movie. Uh, oh, yeah. I got a so Batman got... tattoo myself, actually. Oh, nice. Yes. Oh,
1: <laughs> and so uh, and then I got to do Tomorrow War. You know, the, the it was a big live action movie, which was like sci-fi and aliens and stuff like that. So I was looking for something different. And, you know, I love the Universal Monsters. I love Dracula. Uh, nice. The Christopher Lee horror Dracula might have been one of the first movies I saw. There's a book called Making uh, Movie Monsters by Alan Ormsby, which was uh, the first book I think that I read as a little kid on my own. It was just it was about the it was all about the Universal monsters and how to do makeup like the Universal monsters uh, for you know Halloween and that sort of thing. Yeah. So like I uh, I I, I read this script. I thought it was really funny. I thought that there was some real emotion in it and a lot of action. And I got you know I've always wanted to. Try to do something with practical effects. And I was a big fan of the Basil Gogos famous monsters covers that he did. And so I wanted something that, you know, I felt like this was something because it was meant to be funny sometimes, but also, you know, a horror movie and have action that having a big saturated color palette would kind of, you know, lend itself a little bit more to the humorous side of things than not so so i got an opportunity to do all this stuff the script looked like a a fun place to uh be able to try all that all those things out and um yeah i was really excited to read it and i thought those guys did a really good job with the uh, initial script
0: oh yeah no, I agree hundred percent. Like, uh, you know, the film's not out yet. So of course I haven't seen it, but from the trailer alone, you know, you pick up all those elements that you mentioned horror or, you know, horror comedy and action. And, uh, yeah. especially you see a lot of the awesome color palettes. I love the look of the Dracula's layer in the trailer. So I'm excited yeah, to see Yeah. It. yeah. Uh, you yeah. mentioned, uh, horror of Dracula and Christopher Lee being, you know, inspirations when you got the, when the time came to, you know, put Dracula on the big screen, was there any other iterations that you looked to for inspiration for the character?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I looked at, uh, yeah, obviously Bela Lugosi, you got to start with Bela Lugosi and uh, especially with Renfield, the Dwight Frye performance in Dracula in the, in 1931, Todd Browning, Bela Lugosi, Dracula, oh, yeah. um, uh, Renfield as portrayed by Dwight Frye, uh, was a big, uh, touchstone for me and for Nick Colt, uh, that laugh, just the iconic imagery and, when we do a flashback in the movie to Dracula and Renfield's relationship, we composite Cage and Holt into the 1931 movie. So you get to see, you know, Cage in the Bella Lugosi outfit on the stairs with the giant spider web behind him. Holt in the classic, you know, Dwight Fry outfit uh, in black and white, doing, you know, I don't drink wine and stuff like that. Uh we get you know we got to do all of those those things. That was a lot of fun. And then you know, I I wanted kind of like you know, when when Dracula gets the bloodlust, I wanted kind of the Christopher Lee contact lenses in there, those, those really bloodshot, crazy contact lenses that they used. Yeah. The opening of our movie is almost like the third act of someone else's movie. And I kind of, you know, kind of you know, cribbed a lot from Horror of Dracula as far as like the way that movie ends, where you know the curtain comes down and the sunlight comes in and dracula you know catches fire we did a kind of a big fire gag for that and then um you know the if you remember the end of horror of dracula uh Mm -hmm. dracula basically turns into kind of a weird dusty puppet as the sunlight's you know baking him at the end of the movie and i thought that was really funny and charming and so you know there's a moment where you know christian tinsley who did the makeup effects built a built a puppet that we could do a, do a joke with, uh, with, uh, Dracula when he's, when he's, when he's burnt on the ground, because the, our movie starts where, you know, again, again where somebody else's movies le- leaves off. Dracula has been destroyed. His servant Renfield now has to take care of him. And it's kind of up to Renfield to bring him back to full power. And that's kind of what our movie's uh, about. And that's, you know, so horror of Dracula, Todd Browning's Dracula, the, uh, the teeth from the Lon Chaney Sr. London After Midnight with the, the all sharp teeth. That was something I wanted uh, to make Dracula feel like he's a shark. You know, yeah. that he's this very feral thing. So yeah, so I, I pulled a lot of different. You know, there's a lot of different inspiration. The medallion from Bella Lugosi, like inside the medallion, you don't really get a close up out of the movie, but inside the medallion is a picture of Nicholas Cage as Vlad mm-hmm. Tepes kind of dressed a little bit like Gary Oldman in the Coppola Dracula. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a, I I love movies and I uh, have a, you know, kind of a obsessive knowledge of movies. So a lot of different little things got put in the, at one point in the, in the movie, you don't really see it. It's it's in the trailer, but you don't really see it as well in the movies doing the trailer, but we've got like Swan Lake playing Mm -hmm. on the, on the record player, which is what, which is the only piece of music in the Todd Browning Dracula movie is that it just opens with that, with that, you know, the Swan theme from Swan Lake and then the rest of the movie has no music at all until, uh, until like the nineties when, um, when Philip Glass and the Kronos Quartet did a score to Dracula and, and toured the country score, like projecting the movie and playing that score. So, um, so yeah, a lot of little Easter eggs in the movie.
0: Oh yeah. No, I, uh, one of the DVDs I had, uh, I didn't even notice. And so I went to put it in and it has where you can watch either score and I was oh, that was pretty cool. That was the first time I found out that uh, it had it. Yeah. Somebody had gifted me like a bunch of those old, you know, the uh, some of the Universal ones that have like the first three movies in each of them. And it was like the Dracula yeah. films, and that was one of them. I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. So uh, that yeah, film glass that's yeah, awesome.
1: This score is good. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah.
0: Hell yeah! But and it, like you said, it sounds like you kind of dipped into you know almost every iteration of Dracula at least a little bit, you know, to kind of give yeah. them all their at least our homage at least. So but, if,
1: if the studio had let me trust me, I would have done like. You know something from like the frank langella disco dracula <laughs> i would have had dracula in, like i would have like shown him in dracula and told and the coppola thing like i would have yeah. i would have found a way to to uh uh you know do everything if, if you know if money was no uh no object
0: Hell yeah. No, and uh, here on the podcast, I do a monthly roundtable with a couple of my buddies, Ren Travis, and uh Phil. And we all are huge fans of Nicholas Cage. So I did have to ask, you know, what was it like working with him, especially as such a eccentric character of, you know, as Dracula?
1: Yeah, I mean, Cage is everything and more than you'd expect him to be. He's he loves movies, he loves making movies, he's like really, really engaged yep. on set he's the guy who like hangs on his trailer is sort of aloof or anything like that. He's really engaged. He yeah. loves, and he loves Dracula. He loves horror movies. He loves Christopher Lee. He got to work with Christopher Lee for a minute on uh season of the witch. Yeah. And he, you know, was really inspired by that and inspired by him uh, and his performances as, as Dracula. So we, we talked a lot about that, about that, but he's like, I mean, man, he's like a total professional, not, you know, not that I didn't expect that he wasn't, but he's just like, Came in, he was off book. Like some of you just don't know it. Like, you know, when people are gonna show up, you don't know. Like, I only yeah. know him through, you know, like we're not friends, you know what I mean? Like he's like he's he's like he's like I know him through media, you know what I mean? I know him through his performances, but I've been obsessed with that guy since I was a kid, you know what I mean? Like when I saw birdie and Vampire's Kiss and Raising Arizona and stuff like that. So I've so I've fucking loved his performances, and he really is like he's a guy who just will try stuff, he will, he will he, he, he just, you know, he puts it all out there. There's no like pretense. There's no, like, you know, some people are like, don't, don't want to, you know, are afraid to not look cool or something or whatever. Like he doesn't have any of that stuff at all. Like, he's just like, Oh, you want to try that? Cool. Here's my way into that. I'm going to do this thing. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Like, you know, he does four hours of makeup to do it, to shoot a, you know, 12 hour day, you know, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's there for the four hours to put the makeup on. He shoots for 12 hours. He's got an hour to take the makeup off. Like he's, you know, and come turn around and come back again the next day. Like he's, you know, I, I can't say enough good things. i work on him. He's super fun. He's super funny. He, and he, and he and Holt have great chemistry, but Cage has fucking chemistry with the camera. Like, he's just like, he's just a guy. He's a movie star. Like, he's just a guy. Who would just, he just, everything, everything, you know, lifts off the screen when that guy acts, when that guy's on camera. Um, and he's just, you know, I, you know, I would, yeah. I would work with that guy any day of the week. He's fucking awesome. He really is. He truly is. And it's just everything. Like I said, it's everything you want for me as a fan, as you know, or as also a guy who's got a, you know, a certain amount of time to shoot a movie. He's everything you want in, in an actor.
0: Hell yeah. No, and I know no, exactly what you mean. Especially if they can stay professional after four hours of makeup, you know, every day for you know a couple of weeks. That's when you know somebody's uh, a truly nice well, guy. Yeah, and, he
1: and he can't sit down. You know what I mean? There's like stuff. There's times where he just kind of has to sort of, you know, just kind of lean against stuff because he, yeah, because he had body makeup on him and stuff like that. So it's not like you know, it's he's you know, and has to find somebody to you know get the teeth to put to be able to eat something. Like it's like any other in a lot of other movies, they would just have done it where they put. You know, dots on his face, and and do it. You know, just do it all in post, right? Yeah. Um, because that make your make, makes you, you know, makes your day go faster, and it's less expensive. You uh, know, the on the production side, it's obviously more expensive than post, but the you know, just the fact that he was just such a trooper and wanted to do it. Like he wasn't like he wasn't didn't question it. Just like, oh yeah, that seems like fun. I get to, you know, it's like stuff that stuff that he hasn't really ever done. You know. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, he's
0: great. Oh yeah. No, definitely. And I'm definitely stoked to see his performance as Dracula in full. You know, like I said, I saw the trailer and I actually, you know, to go back to what you mentioned earlier with incorporating it into the 1931 film, I did see the TV. There's a TV spot out there that shows a little bit of that. And I was wondering if that was just made for the spot or if it was in the movie. So I'm excited to hear that it's in the film. It's awesome. Yeah, it's in, it's in, it's in the
1: movie. Yeah. It's, in, yeah, it's cool.
0: Hell yeah. But uh, so, you know, speaking of all the Universal Monsters, I know you said you're a fan of them. If, uh, you know, a studio approached you and, you know, asked you to dabble in one of the other ones, uh, is there any of the other Universal Monsters you'd like to make a film about?
1: Yeah, or- you know, as a kid, I was a really big Wolfman fan. I loved the Werewolf movies, you know, yeah. the Lon Chaney Jr., the you know, Oliver Reed Hammer horror mo- uh, werewolf movie, *America* Wolf in London, The Howling, Yeah, stuff like that, Dog Soldiers, you know. I, you know, I love, uh, I, I would love to do like a movie like that, like a, you know, I'd love to do a werewolf movie if that, if that's something like that came along, yeah um, wolf movie, you know, Guillermo del Toro did an amazing creature from the Black Lagoon movie. That's not a creature from the Black Lagoon <laughs> <laughs> movie. Um, uh, so I, I kind of feel like that one's sort of off the table for a while because he did such a good, such a good job. But, uh, but, but yeah, w- Wolfman would be top of the list. Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, obviously, um or such you know so the the Boris Karloff performance as Frankenstein is so out of its time and so you know emotional uh he's really like it's funny cuz there's horror movies when you know, I was thinking about this the other day there's like horror movies don't get you know maybe a little bit now you know some there's some people Jordan Peele people like that that they get a little bit of you know like uh critical love academy awards you know love and things like that but when you look at like you know when you look like what Boris Karloff did when you look at like what guys like Gary Sherman did in Day of the Dead as Bub yeah uh, if you ever saw the Jordan Farrow Day of the Dead it's a really winning performance and it's just amazing that this guy know and and what like Nick Holt did in Warm Bodies like yeah it's stuff like where like people doing like completely non-verbal performances but you get this whole palette of emotions and comedy you know in the case of warm bodies and 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 danger uh and you know it's it's you you know frankenstein's such a you know you know complex movie you really feel for this guy and it's it's a where but for the grace of god go i kind of story but like it's it's really uh you know you're with him you sympathize with him you feel for him he's you know he's like a child he doesn't understand what's going on and then he throws a girl in the lake, and you sort of understand what you know why he's afraid, and it's because of the what what people you know taught him prior to this. He's now you know afraid of getting in trouble because he's get in trouble, and it's just like it's it's of mice and men, you know, yeah. kind of thing. It's really uh, uh, you know, yeah. I wish that I wish that I wish that you know horror movies performances got a little bit more love. Isabella Johnny in Possession. I keep thinking of you know yeah. things that are you know,
0: like really, yeah, really, um, you know, just incredible work that, yeah, it doesn't get, doesn't get noticed as much. Yeah, no, I agree 100%, and it seems like the past few, like, uh, iterations that they've even done of Frankenstein, they've done so many changes to him where Frankenstein talks, or he's fallen in love, and I'm with you, it'd be nice to see a return to form, you know, get somebody, and not only that, but I feel like they'd also just sometimes, like, slam, like, a stuntman into Frankenstein, and, and like, worry about casting the professor and i'm like you need to get somebody like michael shannon to play frankenstein that could really give it that yeah. emotion you know that's big yeah. and intimidating yeah. or something but you no know, i agree 100 i'd love to see a return so <laughs> that's a really good idea that's a really good idea uh michael shannon's frankenstein that's awesome oh yeah i always have him casted as my uh if they remade phantasm for the tall man so <laughs> i always think and them two are very similar to me you know just stoic they don't speak
1: oh, my God. that's great,
0: that's great. <laughs> boy yeah, it just does just you know, Michael Schian just says boy for two hours, yeah, love just stand there looking super intimidating and pissed off all the time, but but no, hell yeah. And I uh, also, walking, Fr- walking, walking the yeah, just need a couple of fog machines, it's it. but, but and it, also, <laughs> Bride of Frankenstein's one that I feel like you know, they haven't even tried to touch on. They're always you know, just going back to the the first movies every time. It'd be nice to see somebody just go for one of those sequels, you know, whether it's you know, uh, Dracula's yeah. Daughters or you know, Bride of Frankenstein or something like that. So.
1: Yeah, and when they had that universe going, when they were talking about the dark universe, uh, they, you know, I actually thought the Angelina Jolie as Bride of Frankenstein was the most inspired casting idea that they had. I was like, oh yeah, I could see that. I could, I could see that movie. That'd be really cool. That was that was the one, one thing I was like, you know, really excited about when they announced all those like those dark universe. movies. When, when they were making the Tom Cruise mummy, and they announced all those dark universe potential movies. They were going to do the Angelina yeah. Jolie. And I got to see some when I was at Universal because we were kind of working um, a few days out of that Dark Universe office that they have over there. And they had Crash McCreary, who's a really great character designer and illustrator. I got to see a few illustrations that he'd done of Angelina Jolie as Bride of Frankenstein and Javier Bardem as Frankenstein. It was really cool. I was really blown away by how good that looked. I mean, it's Crash McCreary's work it's it's amazing but it was just yeah it was that was that was really cool
0: yeah no and i agree 100 that dark universe thing was like something i was super excited for too it's like whether you felt no matter how you felt about the first film i mean it's still just like the fact that they canceled all the like the potential yeah. for the rest is what sucks so much because it's like the fact that you know they didn't even split the universe up and still make the movies they were just like nope we're not going to do all these awesome things that we talked about so like, damn it
1: <laughs> yeah there, and there's some gems in there there really were some gems in there that, that you know with the right team behind it it could have been really amazing yeah no
0: i agree 100 percent. but uh speaking of universal monsters and you know just going back to horror films in general uh what was your relationship with them you know growing up you know as a kid and did it change at all as you got older and became an adult
1: i was able to i'm i'm old enough that i lived through the vhs days horror movies so i got to see you know i got to see a lot of stuff like you know when i was and i you know like I grew up on Fangoria magazine. I grew up, um, you know, that was like, that was like my Christmas present every year for my parents was like a subscription to Fangoria. That was like, uh, that was like the, one of the, one of the things they sort of indulged me even when like I couldn't necessarily go see every single movie at a movie theater, but um, there was a kid down the street whose parents were a lot more uh, lenient than my parents were as far as watching horror movies and things like that. So I, so I'd go over to his house and, yeah, I remember watching like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I was, you know, I mean, I was, I, I wouldn't say I was like, I wasn't, you know, eight years old or something like that, but I was 10 or 11 or 12 maybe at the most, probably yeah. 10 or 11. And I just remember like, cause I really want, you know, like I, I, I read about stuff, like if I couldn't, if I couldn't access it because we didn't have like, you know, you know, streaming services and things like that. You know, so like, you know, I'd go to the library and read about things. If I liked something, if I wanted to know more about something, I'd go read about it. So I had this like list of movies that I wanted to see and movies that, you know, were in the past and also movies that were kind of coming out at the time. And Mm -hmm. so, like, I, you know, I had to see The Exorcist, I had to see Texas Chainsaw, Um, I had to see The Howling and The Thing and, you know, American Werewolf and stuff like that. And so I remember getting to see Texas Chainsaw. And just that first time, the Leatherface comes out with that big sliding, you know, uh, meat meat locker door that he opens up. Whatever it is, I mean, I must have rewound that thing like five times just trying, because like, I was just like, it just blew my mind. Like it was just like, because it wasn't, you know, it's the you're following the kids and the weird guy, the hitchhiker they pick up in the van, and then they go to this house, and it's obviously really beautifully, Daniel Pearl, you know, beautifully shot by the cinematographer and just had the weird sound effects and all that kind of thing. And the John uh voiceover in the beginning of the movie. And the, you know, it's just like, as soon as he shows up, it was just so shocking. And, um, and I was watching it probably on a little like, you know, you know, 19 inch TV or something. And, but yeah, I just had to rewind it because the filmmaking was so good. The way that just, it, the, the way that it just built the suspense and just, brought you to that moment and just, you know, but yeah, I mean, I got hooked on all this, you know, Poltergeist was a big movie for me, you know, all the John Carpenter movies, like, you know, uh, know, everything, you know, whether it's Assault on Precinct 13 or Starman or The Thing or Halloween or The Fog or, you know, Escape from New York. Like I just, I, you know, I was just obsessed. Like as much as I was obsessed with like reading Stephen King novels, I was obsessed with John Carpenter movies and David Cronenberg movies and george romero i mean i had you know most guys in the in the high school that i uh, you know went to had pictures of like you know the chicago i grew up in chicago like chicago bears or that have like you know uh saint Pauli girl posters or what what you know whatever 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 it was and i had pictures of bearded bearded white guys like you know (laughs) pictures of romero and cronenberg and you know william friedkin and john carpenter and and stills from these movies you know all that I'd cut out of magazines and stuff like that. So like so yeah, I was like I was obsessed. And then, you know, for a while like, you know, so horror movies were this thing and it was like, you know, everyone, you know, everyone shit on, you know, it's just like heavy metal music. Like everyone shit on this genre. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they just they they shit on it. And then they tried to elevate it. You know, and so for a while there they were making things I was I was thinking about this just the other day because you know, Renfield is, you know, a horror movie through the, you know, or a uh, horror movie comedy mm-hmm. through the eyes of, a you know, not the main featured character. And there was a movie that came out called Mary Riley in the 90s about um, the maid of Dr. Jekyll. And I just remember watching the movie and you know, it's made by Stephen Freer, a good filmmaker, but it's like, I just remember watching the movie and going, I don't think any of these people like horror movies. I don't think any of these people have a love for any of this stuff. And so there's a lot of that kind of, Thing where it's like, this is this should be pulpier, this should be more fun, this should be more creepy and stuff like that. And you got Malkovich, you got, you know, uh, I think it was Julie Roberts played the, the Mary Riley, and it's, you know, it should have been scary, it should have been filled with gothic, you know, there's like a lot of things you can draw on to make that, you know, to really make that uh movie work. And I remember not working, but then Scream came along and movies like that, and they they made movie they made horror movies sort of cool again and 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 that's also when people were like going back to 80s music and going oh yeah the stuff that we shit on this is actually good and now it's like because it's retro we like you know like everyone's like you know jumping on the you know jumping on the bandwagon of this of this thing uh so so everything you know every dog has its day everything comes around but there was a time where you were kind of because you mentioned like sort of like the difference between being a kid And being an adult. And I think like as a kid, I was obsessed about these things. I still love horror movies. I still like Ari Aster and there's people like that who are making movies. And I'm just like, that, that, you know, hereditary. I think it's fucking like a classic. Like it's a it's a stone cold classic. Like it's a really just like I that's such a, you know, rewatchable movie and the mood and everything. It's just so well done. And so there's people like that that are making movies now that I'm still as obsessed with, like I was when I was a kid. And I'm also still obsessed with like trying to find movies that I didn't see that, you know, somehow, you know, I just missed along, uh, you know, over the years and catch up on, on that sort of thing. So, so glad that like, I'm glad that there's, you know, people, um, you know, Mike Flanagan, I'm glad there's people who are doing, doing stuff and people love it and people love it, you know, where it's like, the number one you know number one thing on netflix or whatever the dahmer thing you know it's like wednesday you know the wednesday adams thing is like you know through the roof i'm, I'm glad that people are like you know discovering those things
0: and and embracing those things um yeah scream six is number one right now at the box office
1: oh I, you know did you see it
0: yeah i went and saw it uh, open at night because uh i'm a scream one is my favorite horror movie of all time i got the record up there signed by a few people and stuff but that's one of my uh that's my favorite horror film of all time and then of course i enjoy all the sequels but uh i just didn't want to risk the spoilers of that one you know that's the thing is like if it was a friday the 13th movie i could wait a few days we know it's jason but with the Who It to scream yeah. it's like you gotta and nowadays you know social media you gotta worry about spoilers just looking on your yeah. explore page and stuff so i was like i'm not risking anything so yeah i went yeah and, yeah, uh, yeah. I went to the premiere night of that. I'll be going to the premiere night of Renfield. and then Bo is Afraid, which is the next Ari Aster film for sure. So yeah, that's my next worry. lineup of films. But
1: yeah, I still haven't seen Scream, so I got to see that before. I, before yeah, I don't want to get anything anything ruined. Yeah, it's, it's tough when you're making something you don't get to see as much as you want to see,
0: especially because like y'all are pretty much stuck on location and working pretty much until it's time to go to eat dinner, go to bed. If I'm not mistaken, so yeah, that's and I'd
1: be I'd be like literally falling asleep in the movie theater if I was you know
0: yeah like going for a production. So yeah. Shit, there's no uh I fell asleep in the movie theater myself when I went and saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Not because it was bad, but just because I worked that day and then had a you know, it was a late night movie. So I was like, ah, no more 10 10 p.m. movie start times for yeah. me after that one. Yeah.
1: I used to be able to I used to be able to do that. Now it's like I remember I I can't remember what it was a Scorsese movie, it was the Departed or something like that, but I remember seeing that like it was like the The first day it came out, and you know, saw it at like a ten o'clock show, and I can't fucking do that shit anymore. Yeah,
0: no, that's uh. What's funny is one I used to do the midnight show. You know, they do like they used to release stuff at midnight. You couldn't go to eight p.m. or you know. Nowadays, I went and saw Scream at like six thirty on Thursday, even though it came out you know Friday, <laughs> and uh, uh, but before you know I had to go at midnight. And I think one of the last midnight showings I went to was actually Scorsese's Wolf of Wall Street it was one of the last ones that was like still oh. at midnight before it started to shift back really. Yeah. Yeah and that was like oh, yeah. a two and a half hour movie i made it through that but shit 10 p.m and it's like <laughs> an hour and a half little horror slasher comedy but but uh to go back to some of the movies you mentioned you mentioned like texas chainsaw oh you mentioned a bunch of them but uh is any of them uh would you classify any as like your favorite of all time or you know just some of your favorites and also if you want to shout out a few favorite horror comedies just you know due to the tone of renfield
1: yeah i mean like you know uh I love Texas Chainsaw. I love The Exorcist. You know, there's probably like five Carpenter movies that are some of my favorite movies of, of all time. You know, speaking of movies that are kind of like horror adjacent and comedy, Big Trouble in Little China. I remember watching that kind of around when it came out. I don't think people got it, and it didn't do very well. And then I saw a screening of that at the Arrow Theater here in Los Angeles, and that movie plays like the funniest comedy in the world today. Because I think yeah. people just weren't they didn't they didn't get like wait a minute Kurt Russell's not the hero and he's he's fucking he doesn't do anything he doesn't do anything to help solve the problem at all like you know, like he this one thing when he throws a knife and that's it in the entire movie, <laughs> um, but it's like that movie like that movie plays like really well now because I think people just sort of aware of that like we just sort of evolved from a comedy standpoint to that to the place where that's actually like people get it you know in plays like Gangbusters but like yeah. Yeah, I mean movies that are, you know, like Aliens, Cronenberg's The Fly, Cronenberg's Dead Zone. Oh, yeah. Um I think are are huge movies for me, The Crow, you know, um uh, Poltergeist I think is is a big is a it, you know, it's a big movie for me like I think that movie is just so well told. Yeah. Just really every everything's got great scares and it's I mean I don't know if it'd be PG anymore, but like it was PG at the time, but that thing played and it's like a good family story too. Yeah, like, you know, uh and scream. I love, you know, I love Wes Craven movies. I love, love them Nightmare on Elm Street. I think oh, the, yeah. the first Nightmare on Elm Street is so good. The first Scream is so good. I just remember being riveted to Scream. And actually, Marco Beltrami did the score for Renfield. Oh hell yeah. He, he's Wes Craven, you know, guy and did all the Scream movies and stuff like that. And he's awesome. Yeah. Um uh yeah, uh, he he's really great and he has all the screen he's like scream uh, scream masks up in his like original scream masks up in his uh studio which is which is a big uh big treat for me when i got to go there and and work with him so yeah yeah. um yeah uh and i I gotta say like stuff like hereditary like hereditary is like one of my new favorite movies like i just you know i really love that movie and thought you know he did such a good job yeah
0: no I, I agree that's up there for me as well it's one of my favorites of all time i actually named my son after ari aster not because i love the movie that much but just because i, I was like well I, I do love the movie it's like top three for me of all time and uh i I was just like i like the name so i told my wife i was like why not and she was like we're not she's like we're not naming our kid after something horror related and i was like but the name ari is kind of nice isn't it and she was like god damn it it is and so she <laughs> <laughs> and so, that's but. great but and he's he runs around uh like he recognizes he's two years old but he'll recognize Ghostface and chucky if you put him on tv like he'll be like Ghostface and stuff so, so that's great there, so. But, oh that's awesome oh yeah and of course you know i showed him lego batman because you know he loves fucking batman so i <laughs> spider-man but, but i haven't shown robot chicken yet but uh just because yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah you know that, that's that's one you know that's that's a little more you know t- towards being a teenager i think probably yeah, that,
0: that, more I have the uh, Adult Swim in a Box that they did years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah where they did the course. first two seasons. So I, I have more oral and stuff like that as well on DVD. But, uh, but pretty much to uh, go to my final question that I like to ask all my guests. And uh, that is, do you have a horror story of your own? And it could be, you know, just from a bad day on set on one of your films, you know, it's just stuff going wrong. Or uh, it could be something that, just, <laughs> you know, just scary shit that happened in your personal life that, uh, if you don't mind sharing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you, when you ask that, uh, the first thing that comes to mind, and this is, you know, you know I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I lived uh it was it was only 45 minutes from the city, uh, but it was uh I lived near a cornfield. Yeah. And a lot of like, you know, sort of like, you know, uh kind of forested green space. And I <laughs> this is like this is gonna be so crazy. Um I Woke up in the middle of the night and I looked out the window. My sort of window sort of faced, Look, you know, it was a second floor window looking out. Um, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, there's a, well, there were some houses between me and the cornfield, but not that many. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, like, looking out the window towards the horizon because I you know, woke up and I swear I saw a UFO. <laughs>
0: Holy shit. <laughs> That's
1: crazy. Uh, like, you know, and it was one of these things where was like, I'm sure that this is, is like a child in an overactive imagination but i saw something crazy flying in the sky really bright and then it took off um and again i am 100% sure that this is a kid uh who has just had a very i had a very overactive imagination had a rich very rich fantasy life but uh but i uh that, that, that was that's probably the closest c- i've come to maybe uh you know something so, uh, something that's like felt like a real uh thing for a second i yeah. um, the last apartment uh, that I lived in, I had a, a girlfriend at the time who was very into, she was sort of kind of very, you know, sensitive to spirits and ghosts and things like that. Like that was kind yeah. of, you know, so like an empath, like type thing. Like, uh, yeah, very much so. And I was asking her about like, because she was telling me about people whose houses that she'd gone and sort of, you know, gone to and, you know, had sort of helped them with some kind of like, you know, spiritual cleaning and all that kind of thing. And, and I just, on the, on the off, offhand, and this was a mistake. I said uh, something about, Oh, but you've ever felt anything in this, in this, in, in my apartment. It's like, yeah, but I didn't want to tell you about it. And I was just like, well, I was just like, I said, okay, I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything. I, my, my mind will go, go crazy. I don't want to know anything. But uh, I, but for, even though she didn't say a word other than, you know, I saw this look on her face. And and she said, yes, that she had, you know, from then on out, every time I turned around, I was looking, you know, I was like, I was like looking for things, you know, shadows and things moving around and, you know, some nights hearing noises and stuff like that. So it's like, sometimes there's things you just don't want to know. Yeah. I live in a house now that's a hundred years old and I'm, I don't want to know anything about what's, you know, what happened in a house in Los Angeles over the last hundred years. I don't, I don't need to know any of that stuff.
0: It'll just, it'll just freak me out. Right, and then like five minutes later, you're watching a movie and you're on your phone. She's like, Why aren't you watching the movie? It's like, I'm on Zillow. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm gonna find a new apartment, <laughs> but, basically. basically yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. But and I gotta say, uh, you're not the first guest I've had. I've had probably like four, like you're probably like the fifth or sixth guest to share our alien story for sure. Like a couple other people have said that they've seen oh, really okay. Oh, good, stuff good. Too, for sure. Okay, no, it's uh. It's one of those things that I'm going to believe. I've never seen anything, but I definitely believe in aliens. You know what I mean? There's no reason not to at this point. Shit. They've pretty much showed us UFOs and stuff like that on screen. So like you said, it could have been like a half awake kid or shit. You got to seen something. You never know. So, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. But uh, real quick, I did want to ask before I let you go, if you don't mind. I see you got a guitar behind you. Are you a musician by chance? No, no, I'm a terrible. I I like, Uh, I like playing, playing guitar
1: uh, sometimes to relax, but I'm really bad. I'm I'm terrible at it I just it's just it's more of like kind of something to just kind of you know play around with when I'm just sort of sitting here thinking about stuff and that's what I think you might you know kind Thank of can. just have a activity to do but I I love it and I love listening to people who are good at it I love when people who are good come over to the house and play these guitars uh way better than uh I will
0: ever be able to play them uh that's a lot of fun but no, I'm, I'm I'm really bad <laughs> no I got you for sure uh, I was just figured I'd ask because, you know, uh, like I said, I typically, like my usual episodes, I do interview like musicians about horror movies. Uh, like you said, you uh, saw all the podcasts and stuff. But, uh, you know, and then I have the directors and, you know, uh, composers and uh, makeup artists and all that stuff too to offset that. But well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you. It was a, it was super fun chatting with you. Yeah, it was really nice chatting with you, too. Thank you. we will talk to you soon. And as usual, I just want to say thanks again for listening and make sure you go check out Renfield on April 14th, only in theaters. And make sure you check back next week as I'll be joined once again by my monthly co-host for our roundtable episode where we're going to chat about the Scream franchise. So check back for that. Go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all updates on the podcast. Don't forget about Horror Movie Trivia Night on April 5th at Keegan's Irish Pub. The Patreon link is in the description. Thank you guys again and stay safe.